What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Doug McCain here, credential member of Dodgers Media. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. We've got a jam-packed Dodger Wayne Halloween version of Dodgers Dugout Live. We're talking about another Japanese pitcher the Dodgers could sign this offseason. They're linked to him. Should they sign him? We're talking Mookie Betts at the World Series. Had some interesting comments. Talked about Trevor Bauer. Talked about his postseason. We're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about the scariest things that could happen to the Dodgers this offseason. All that and more here on a Halloween edition of Dodgers Dugout Live. But uh, here we go down below in the comment section. A day later and a dollar short. Moogie, that's from Bobby Jenkins. Ivy says hello. Yeah, settle in down below in the comment section. We got nice Dodgers gear. This is my Halloween costume. I'm a goat. I am Clayton Kershaw for Halloween. I don't want to hear you guys down below there in the comment section saying the scariest thing in October is Clayton Kershaw pitching. No, that's not me. I'm not that's don't go there. Okay. Look, this is my, my Dodgers player costume, right? Uh, what do you, which Dodger player would you dress up as for Halloween? Let me know down below. We got Justin Lamas in the comments, Michael Carrillo, Mookie needs to worry about hitting, not bowling harassing Corey Seager or gossiping about other folks' lives. That's from Grizz Monster 73. So, yeah, let's start right there and talk about Mookie Betts and Mookie Betts' presence at the World Series because I know a lot of Dodgers fans are talking about this. Is he right to be there? Should he be there? Why is he there? This is someone who has not had a lot of success in the postseason in his last three series. He's someone that went over in the NLDS. He goes over 11. And yeah, I think I'm actually happy he's there. I'm happy that he finally showed up to the postseason. I'm glad that Mookie Betts at the World Series, right? Finally, he shows up in the postseason. Maybe he can see what it's like for some of these other hitters who are having success, like the Corey Seegers, like the Corbin Carrolls and Tommy Fams and some of these guys that are having success in the postseason. See what it's like to have success in the postseason because he has it in his last three postseason appearances in his last three postseason series. So, yeah, I think for me, the first thing I want to talk about is his comments on that he made to the LA times to bill Shagan. So let's get into those. But give me all your takes on Mookie bets. We got, if we had traded for fam, that moho, that mofo would have definitely taken Wong's spot. That's from Kawa Bunga. We're going to talk about Tommy fam, because I can guarantee you, I was the very first and probably only person in the Dodgers media to pound my fist to the table and scream from the mountaintops that the Dodgers should trade Tommy fam. Go back to the early trade special episode I did. I listed Tommy Pham as someone the Dodgers should have traded for, should trade for, and they did not. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit and why it is a symptom of a greater problem within this Dodgers organization because they refuse to trade for players like Tommy Pham. So we will get into that. But let's talk about Mookie Betts, who had some very interesting comments, and he was very present at this World Series. You saw Mookie as a correspondent. He talked to Aaron Judge. He was in his press conference for the Roberto Clemente Award, and he talked about as he asked him if he's the biggest person to win that award, and he wanted to give him a lot of credit for all the success that he's having. I thought that was cool. I thought he did a good job doing that, but he's covering a team that swept him. That's essentially what he's doing. Imagine covering a team as a media member, the team that swept you, the team that sent you to Cancun. 
think he needs to go back to Cancun. I think he needs to probably stay a little bit away from the World Series if that's the case. But I do think that it's a strategic ploy by Mookie Betts. It almost feels like after LeBron James got swept in the Western Conference Finals, he planted that seed about the possibility of him retiring and him not retiring. And he made that the focus from the media, from the fans. He really started to shape the narrative. I think Mookie Betts, what he's doing is he's posting videos of himself bowling. He's at the World Series as a media correspondent. He's getting fans talking. He's making comments about Trevor Bauer and the offseason, things like that, because that's what we're talking about right now, right? We're not talking about the fact that he went 0 for 11 in the NLDS. The fact that he's gone six for his last 48 in the postseason. The fact that he struggled in his last three postseason series in the 2021 NLCS against the Braves, in the NLDS last year against the Padres, in this past NLDS against the Diamondbacks. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what he's doing in the offseason. So it does feel like it's a strategic ploy. We got Ivy saying, I love Mookie, but this dude, Loves being a celebrity too much. He wants the limelight way too much. Yeah, look, I'm a true believer in the phrase, in the quote, keep the main thing the main thing, right? And the reality is he can't be in the cage 24-7. There's nothing that he can do right now that is going to change how he's going to perform in the postseason next year. So, yeah, is it bad? As far as how is it going to impact this game? No, but to me, it's the narrative. It's the optics of the situation. And I know that it's not sitting right with a lot of Dodgers fans out there. There's two factions of Dodgers fans with this. Either one, they don't care, or two, they have a problem with it. But I think the wrinkle in all of this is his comments about Trevor Bauer. He said some very interesting things about Trevor Bauer, but first... Mookie told the LA Times about the postseason. I definitely watch them. I'm in a bowling alley all the time when the games are on. This is a part of my identity. A lot of these guys are my friends. These are life relationships that you create through playing baseball. So first thing I do want to say is, yes, Mookie has struggled in recent postseason series. But let's not forget, he's a multi-time World Series champion. He is going to be a Hall of Famer one day, right? So he has earned the right to essentially do what he wants. If he wants to do that, but also he also has to take on the criticism because that's what he subjects himself to when he's present at these events and being as visible as he is. But uh, you'll go on to say, obviously, I want to play and I want to win. Right. But this is not your turn. That's fine. I want my boys to be successful as well. There's probably a million people with all the answers. I'm sure somebody is right, but I don't know what those answers are. I just know for me, I have to do better. That's pretty much it. I have to do better no matter what. So there is accountability there. You have to give him credit. It's not like he's Ronald Acuna Jr. who had a terrible series. They got bounced. The Braves did in the NLDS. And Ronald Acuna Jr. was nowhere to be found. At least Mookie Betts has taken responsibility. Even before this, after the Dodgers did lose to the Diamondbacks in that series, he said, just period, point blank. I didn't help this team at all. I did nothing to help this team to win. That's what he said. So no one out there can say that Mookie, one, hasn't taken responsibility, hasn't been accountable, and two, hasn't basically acknowledged that something has to change. Like I just said, he said, I have to do better. That's pretty much it. I have to do better no matter what. So does that mean something in the offseason with his training regimen 
continuing to add muscle. So you have the wear and tear of a 162 game season. So he isn't as worn down towards the end because he had been struggling after August. Like I said, a historic August 51 hits September. You saw the extra base hits go down. You saw the home runs go down one, right? So you didn't see the movie that we saw that was really the front runner for the MVP for a couple of days there. And there was a lot of talk that he was going to eclipse Ronald Acuna Jr., right? So let's not forget he was playing at an MVP level. He still put together an MVP caliber winning season. But the the reality is, what is he going to do? Are we going to see something different towards the end? Is he going to take more days off in September? Is he going to do something different between the days off, the five days between the end of the season and the NLDS? So how truthful is Mookie? I would say he definitely is. The reality, though, is they need to do something tangible, something actionable that's going to change whether his approach, his training methods, what he does in between games. But this is not going to fly next year. If this happens once again next year, you can start having the conversation about Mookie being one of the top performers in the regular season that doesn't show up in the postseason. You do not want that reputation if you're Mookie Betts. But by far the most interesting comments that Mookie made yesterday were about his former teammate, Trevor Bauer. Now, you guys know I've done probably more videos about Trevor Bauer than maybe even Trevor Bauer has done, right? We have explored the entire topic, everything that transpired with Bauer. And of course, he ends up getting suspended in Major League Baseball, reduced that suspension. They reinstate him. Then the Dodgers, they essentially say, okay, we're going to pay you $22 million to not pitch for us, right? He ends up pitching in Japan, right? So what is the future like for Trevor Bauer? Will he ever pitch again at Major League Baseball? Well, Mookie Betts is supporting his former teammates. He said, my experience with Bauer is not anything remotely close to what everyone else's experience is. I love him. I think he's an awesome guy. The personal things, I have no control. I have no say. Obviously, nothing ever came from it. He's an awesome pitcher. He's a great guy. Somebody who wants to take the mound every fifth day. But at the end of the day, I don't make that decision. That's a decision that's not as simple as baseball. So that was a very bold move for Mookie to take that stance because you haven't heard any players out there go on record with a publication like the Los Angeles times to support Trevor Bauer and say things like he's an awesome guy and that he should be given another chance. So that to me was one of the most bold things I've seen a superstar do in defending a former teammate ever. When you look at the reputation that Trevor Bauer has with some fans and some of the misconceptions or the realities, whatever you want to talk and whatever you want to say about Bauer, about what he did or didn't do. The reality is that any team could have signed him. They didn't. The Dodgers could have brought him back. They didn't. And it to me, it speaks to one of the rumors that we heard last year about there were certain players that didn't want him back in the organization, right? Well, if Mookie was one of those players that did want him back, that speaks volumes because he is the $365 million man in that clubhouse. And if Mookie had signed off on the return of Trevor Bauer, it makes you wonder who didn't. Was that even true? Was this more of a Dodgers PR spin on the whole matter? So I think there's a lot of fair questions that can surface from it. At the end of the day, the Dodgers, they're their own organization. They can do whatever they want. They have the financial muscle to eat that money and 
pay him not to pitch for them essentially. Right. So it's just very interesting because look, I see people out there flaming on Mookie Betts for this. How could Mookie Betts do this? He has the right to do this. You can't criticize that. Okay. As much as you think, you know, Trevor Bauer, which I'm not going to speak on the speculation on the things that he did or is accused of doing, because that's complete speculation, right? We don't know. And that's not my place to speculate on that stuff. But to think that you know Trevor Bauer more than Mookie Betts knows Trevor Bauer, I think is just not true, right? So I find that very interesting, a very bold statement from Mookie. Is that a shot that Mookie had towards maybe even the organization for not bringing him back when there were rumors last year before the Dodgers ultimately made their decision to move on from Bauer that there was a couple of days there where, hey, maybe they were going to bring him back. Maybe he was going to release a statement of some sort and the Dodgers were going to try to spin this in a way to be able to get him back in that rotation because there was a 24 to 40 hour window last year. I always remember this when there were some rumors and there was some feelings out there that that at least there was a, some chance there was some chance. I remember I did an interview with the same guy who did this interview with Mookie Betts and Bill shaken about Trevor Bauer. And he told me that, yeah, there was some consideration to bring Bauer back. So is this Mookie making a statement saying, Hey, we should have brought him back. Because you saw what happened to the starting pitching. You saw how it was decimated. So lots of things to unpack here. And I want to get your thoughts down below. What are your thoughts on Mookie Betts' comments about Trevor Bauer? We got Mookie is far from a joke. And Kershaw, too. D-Max, stay appreciated. What up, Anthony Keene? Always rocking with us, my guy. How you doing up there? Always representing the Dodgers up in the Bay Area in enemy territory. So, you know, uh, you're a day one here on the Dodgers dugout live. Anthony Kim, we always appreciate you. We got Craig Osterberg in the house. We got hepatitis. See you later. Kirsch better not be back. We'll talk about some Kirsch. By the way, I got my Kershaw jersey. That's why I'm, like I said, I'm a goat for Halloween. That's my Halloween costume. Clayton Edward Kershaw. And like I said, I don't want to hear it out there saying that I have a scary costume because Kershaw pitching in October is the scariest thing. Come on. I don't want to hear that down below in the comment section, but uh, doesn't matter as long as Roberts is here. We'll never win. Glenn, I think you have that copied and pasted and you copy and paste it often on this show. But hey, like I said, I just, I don't care if you disagree. I just care that you watch and you comment. So I appreciate it. But uh, Justin Lamas down below says, hey, Doug, Mookie Betts should be at the winter meetings. It'll be in Nashville this year. So not too far from his home. Interesting, Justin. Look, the winter meetings are where it goes down. And if he can be there and be a positive reason why you get certain players, I'd be all for that. But uh, yeah, the interesting thing too is, does what Mookie said about Trevor Bauer start to have more players come out in support? Because look, the reality is that teams want to keep their superstars happy. Because when you're superstar, it's like happy wife, happy life. The same thing applies to your superstars because your superstar, those are the players that you're married to. Those are the guys that are assigned to the six, the seven, the eight, the nine, the 10 year contracts that are taking up a lot of your salary, right? You keep those guys happy and engaged. It trickles down to the organization. The buy-in is better. It affects the other players. It helps them get talent when you're a player that's considering going with another organization. Yes, there is contact with these guys. Mookie Betts is one of the biggest reasons why the Dodgers were able to sign J.D. Martinez last year. Let's not forget that. So Mookie has a lot of friends around the league. Say what you want about Mookie Betts. That podcast is by far the best baseball players podcast that we've ever seen. 
right? It's only going to get better. So I know Mo- Mookie's taking a lot of heat. There's no doubt about that, but I think it's very interesting for him, to, a guy who is very, I mean, after the games, Mookie never wants to talk about himself. He wants to give all the credits to his teammates. He's someone that is very careful and meticulous and calculated whenever anything that he says is published. And for him to go on record in supporting who has probably been one of the most polarizing players in Major League Baseball for the last decade, that says something. Not 100% sure what it says. I've listed out my theory so far, but that is definitely says something. For Marcus Lynn Betts, a guy that has a squeaky clean image, he's absolutely as buttoned up as you could imagine to go out there on a limb to support Trevor Bauer. That's really interesting. I can remember back in when Trevor Bauer first signed with this team, you would see Mookie and Trevor Bauer walking around, especially during spring training. So very, very interesting yesterday, Mookie's comments on Bauer. But here we go. We got uh, uh, we need to get a Rosarain and Glass now from Tampa Bay. We talked about that one a couple weeks ago. By the way, if you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel, number one Dodgers live stream here, Dodgers Dugout Live, because when you are subscribed, you're eligible for all of our giveaways. You won't miss a thing. You get those notifications, so make sure you guys are subscribed. If you really want to support the channel and you want to see us post even more Dodgers content, smash that like button. Let me know. What are your thoughts on Mookie's comments on Mookie Betts? We got, uh, I think Otani said Mookie was one of his favorite players. Hepatitis, see you later. Yeah, he did say that during the season that he was so impressed with the Mookie was able to do as far as being an elite outfielder, moving to play that shortstop position, what he can do at the plate. And look, Otani's got to be saying to himself, I'm a big dude, right? I'm a big guy. Mookie, he's five, nine. Otani, he's a big guy. He can handle that. He's probably very impressed by the power that Mookie has a guy who can get 39 home runs. He's five, nine. So we got D Mac jr. Mookie worried about wrong strikes. Yeah, there he goes, a fire take and a finish him. Finish him. Uh, Corey told Mookie that's how to hit in the postseason. That's from Noah Ortega. Yeah, we can do a little wrong answers only. What did Corey Seager tell Mookie Betts? We're actually going to roll that clip right there because after the game, Mookie went up to his former teammate, Corey Seager. They had a little interaction. I know the internet was buzzing about it, but uh, let's roll that clip and see what Corey Seager had to say and see if we can do a little mouth reading here on the spot. up man so you see right there i people are making a lot about this people are saying it's so, you know don't f and touch me or whatever maybe maybe Corey has got some max scherzer in him maybe Corey has some max scherzer who doesn't want to be touched like that i don't know it seemed playful i've seen Corey seager where he can come off as kind of funny ish but you don't really see it in his face and it looked like he was, I don't think there was anything about that. It was running again. Kind of pushed him though. Look, and then Mookie's laughing back, pointing out that I look, that is a whole, that's a nothing burger right there. That to me almost proves they're cooler than you probably even knew. Cause think of your real friends. Think of your real friends, your real friends. You can talk crap to them. You can push your real friends. You can mess with your real friends. The ones you're kind of cool with, you wouldn't do stuff like that. You wouldn't cuss at them and things like that. So I bet you that they're super cool. Those guys, the bond they have, I think it's everlasting. Those two, they won a World Series together. They were the two biggest reasons why that Dodgers team won the World Series. I know everyone gives Corey Seager credit and acts like he put that Dodgers team on his back and did it all by himself. That wasn't the case. Without Mookie Betts, they don't win that World Series. People 
Forget about what Mookie Betts did defensively. The shoestrings catch that totally changed the game there in game five where Ozuna left too early. Mookie's able to make that throw, make that play, and some of the Rob jobs he made. Robin Freddie, Robin, some of the home runs there with Walker Buell on the mound, with Blake Trinan on the mound. I mean, defensive plays that he made, he was outstanding in that series and also got big hits too. I mean, he, he got the home run to start off the World Series Early on that series, got the home run that capped it off towards the end there in game six. So Mookie gets a lot of credit. But uh, DMAC, I'm ready for free agency to start. Jose Marquez, that is the most wonderful time of the year. Trade deadline, free agency. The Dodger dogs, I'm cooking them right now. The Dodger dog rumor meter is ready to go. And look, let's talk about some free agency. We got Frankie that says, sorry, DMAC doesn't mean anything. Seager keeps to himself. If he tells you, don't touch me, he doesn't like you. Okay, Frankie. So you're saying that Seager was a little testy there. I just don't think that I've seen Seager IRL in real life when he's not on the baseball field. He's someone that, yeah, he doesn't have that outgoing gregarious personality that some of these other guys have, but Boys will be boys, man. When you're around your friends, like I said, you get away with that kind of stuff. But you guys think that's something, nothing, or everything. I think it's a nothing burger. We got Mookie, invited him to his podcast, and Sears said, not till we win the World Series. I like that theory from Jose Ramirez out there. Maybe he wants Seeks on that podcast. I could see it. Some people that you don't think are going to open up and be interesting are. And I think Seager, the most interesting thing he can talk about is the fact that he is an elite postseason player. He's someone that has proven that, yeah, you're not going to be great every single postseason run, but the fact that he's had two now to give me two in eight years, like I was saying, and you look at Corey Seager so far in the World Series, the batting average, 167, who cares? The OPS, 952, has two home runs. Those are his two hits. He's two for 12. So the timely hits, the home runs, and uh, yeah, very interesting to see that exchange. Nando three nine says, look like an uncomfortable, awkward laugh from Mookie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you break it down, it's like, <laughs> he's that was he serious? I don't know. I'm not really sure about that. You also too have to remember that Corey Seager is having the adrenaline of a world series game, right? He's actually playing in the world series, not going there as a spectator, by the way, like I was saying, it's nice that Mookie finally showed up in the postseason. Unfortunately, it was there to cover a team that swept him, but still, a vegan nothing burger from King Tao. Finish him. A carnivorous student activity says Tommy Pham slapping Jock Peterson wasn't playful. We'll talk about Tommy Pham in a second here. Leave a like later, alligators. Yeah. So definitely leave a like for sure. And by the way, this episode is brought to you by GearUp.LA and the Dodgers Nation app, the number one Dodgers app in the game. So if you haven't yet, download the Dodgers Nation app for scores, highlights, stories stats, everything that we do here, Dodgers Nation, you're going to find on that app and all things Dodger baseball. And also, if you're looking for gifts, Christmas is on the way. You want to give your friends, your family members, some of the best Dodgers t-shirts in the game, head over to gearup.la, fire shirts, fire designs, comfortable. Definitely go over there and buy some gear over at gearup.la. So someone brought up free agency. We're going to talk about free agency next because you guys know that's what I live for. And we're going to talk about another pitcher that the Dodgers are linked to. And that's Japanese pitcher Shota Imanaga. And Imanaga is someone that doesn't get the pub and doesn't get the spotlight and the buzz that Yomamoto gets. 
for good reason, rightfully so, but he's also someone that could help this team and would be a lot more inexpensive than a Yamamoto. And insider Mark Feinsand, he said that the Dodgers are lining up to be a landing spot for him, that they could sign him. And Feinsand said, Imanaga started the gold medal game for Team Japan in this year's World Baseball Classic, kicking off a year that saw him go 7-5 and five with a 2.66 ERA for the Yokohama Dina Bay Stars. He has been one of the best pitchers in Japan since he's broke into the Central League in 2016, posting more than a strikeout per inning throughout his career. He is expected to be posted by Yokohama Yokohama this offseason and should have multiple suitors. He lists the Dodgers, Giants, and Mariners as fit. So you got the usual suspects right there, the Dodgers, Giants, the Mariners on the West Coast, teams that Japan players love to play for. Japanese players definitely flock to those types of organizations. And the way I look at him is I see, I see Imanaga as the ultimate Yamamoto consolation prize. If you miss out on Yamamoto and let's say the Mets go crazy and get him, let's say the Giants go crazy and get him. I think the Mets and the Giants, those are the two, th- those are the two franchises that I think are in the driver's seat that have the inside track on him just because one, yes, the Mets are rebuilding, but he's so young and you need pitching in New York that he can help you years down the line. And like JP Hornstra, the insider that we had on this show, he talked about how a lot of these pitchers from Japan they tend to have arm issues at some point. And I think if you're the Mets, you can afford to play the long game, especially with the Giants too. You can play the long game as well. The Dodgers are a team. They need to win next year. They need to, at the very least, get to the World Series, at the very least, maybe get to the NLCS. But hey, at this point, you take a postseason win when you consider they won a 211 games last two years and have one postseason win to go for, to show for it. But I think for this Dodgers team next year, if you don't get Yamamoto, Imanaga does make some sense. And I've seen out there people saying, okay, Imanaga and Yamamoto, that they're comparable, that they're close, that there's a lot of similarities there as far as how good they are. Just stop with that because Yamamoto is on another tier. He is elite potential. It's elite versus good, right? It's not the same. Now, Yamamoto is really good. He's someone that has the potential to really be an ace for a team, but what I look at for Imanaga is he's someone that has a lot of potential because you look at the stuff he has, his stuff is filthy. It's nasty. The strikeout numbers, the walk rate. But if you look at his numbers overall, he has a two sixty six ERA, a career two ninety six ERA. That's solid. A two sixty six ERA in 2023. So for his career, a two ninety six ERA. And then this year, a two sixty six ERA. So you compare that to Yamamoto he has a 172 career ERA and a 116 ERA this past season. So, yeah, not comparable. 266 versus 116, a 296 career versus a 172 career. Imanaga and Yamamoto. But so he's not a substitute. It's not a situation where, hey, if you don't get him, it's a, he's a B. It's more like he's an A. Yamamoto is an A. I would say he's more of a B minus possibly a solid B if you're comparing the two. But like I said, stuff wise, he's nasty. He actually struck out more batters and at a higher rate and walked them at a fewer rate than Yamamoto this past season. He posted an impressive 29.5% strikeout rate. That's higher than 
any Japanese pitcher, save for Otani and Yu Darvish in their final seasons before heading to Major League Baseball. So you're talking about striking out hitters at almost a 30% clip. That's up there with the Darvishes and the Otanis before they made their way to the show. You also factor in that usually you'll see strikeout numbers go up from when you go to the MPB, a lot of disciplined hitters there. You go to Major League Baseball, there's a world where you see a spike in that strikeout rate. So maybe you get him up to 30%, which would be elite from a strikeout territory. So your question probably right now is, wait a second, D-Mac. If he can strike out more batters at a higher rate and walk them at a fewer rate, he's got nasty stuff. Well, then what separates him from Yamamoto? I'll tell you. He allowed, Yamamoto allowed two home runs last year. Two home runs were served up by Yamamoto. You compare that to Imanaga, he allowed 18 bombs last season. So he served up 18 home runs. Yamamoto served up two home runs. So that is really what separates them is Yamamoto is elite at keeping the ball in the yard. Imanaga, not the same. You look at the home runs per nine, the difference there, it's really, really high. And yeah, I mean, most pitchers, their home run rates, they usually go up. So not only does the strikeout rate go up, their home run rates usually go up from going pitching in Japan to pitching in the show. So if that happens for Shota, and you're talking about a guy who could be serving up two home runs every nine innings. That could be costly. We live through that, right? I don't want to see Lance Lynn, basically the Japanese version. We don't want to see that. But still, I do think when you consider the value and how much it would cost, and the difference in price, I wouldn't be mad at it. I definitely think if you could get another elite starter, whether it be via trade, we've talked about this ad nauseum on this show, whether it is a Corbin Burns, whether it is a risk and take a flyer on a Tyler Glass now, or a Mitch Keller, or a Dylan Seas. If you get a Dylan Seas and an Imanaga, and you got Bob Miller coming back and emerging and continuing to grow, and you got Walker Buehler coming back from injury, you got some of these other pieces in place, then I'm starting to feel okay about it. It's not the perfect scenario. It's not the ideal offseason, but at least you're addressing the starting pitching with a free agent and someone via trade. Or do you go a NOLA route? Do you get a Sonny Gray? Do you get like Nell? So depending on the primary piece, the A1, you have to get one ultra premium. That's non-negotiable for me. If you don't get one of the top three elite starting pitchers that are available whether it be a Blake Snell, whether it be an Aaron Nola, right? Whether it be one of these top guys, maybe even Jordan Montgomery. I don't know if I consider him the top tier elite, but if you don't get one of these starting pitchers, they're going to have to pay at the very least a hundred plus million for. If you don't get at least one of those guys, it's going to be a failure as an off season. You definitely have to spend the money. Yamoto would be great. Like I said, he's young. He's unproven. The injury issues could be something, right? I still want him. Don't get me wrong. But when a team is as desperate as the Dodgers to win next season to maximize the primes of Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and change the narrative of what happened last two postseasons, this franchise realizes that you can't let history repeat itself for a third time. Twice was already too many for most Dodgers fans. Three will be unacceptable to the point where there's going to be some Dodgers fans that are going to just check out and give up on this regime. And you're going to start wondering, is Friedman the guy? So, I think for, I believe in Friedman. Trust me. I also criticize him as well. But if you go three straight clunkers with this payroll, with this talent, people are going to really start questioning the direction of this franchise. But let me know down below. What are your thoughts 
on Shota Imanaga. I'm going to do a deeper dive on a Dodgers dugout episode where we dive into all of his numbers. You guys know how we do it on the other types of videos we do. But Eric nailed it. What did Eric say? Let's hear what Eric said. Justin Lombas. Nando 390 says, so the Dodgers are getting rid of Kershaw, hopefully, and replacing him with Lynn. Nando. Look, I still think that it's up in the air with Clay and Kershaw. By the way, I'm rocking a Kershaw jersey right now, 22. And I think for me, like I said, his health, his shoulder is going to determine if he still pitches, if he still wants to continue his career. I find it hard to believe if you watched my interview with Jerry Harrison Jr., us talking about it, to think that someone as prideful as Clayton Kershaw with the career that he's put together, the lowest ERA in the modern era at 248, a first ballot Hall of Famer, three-time Cy Young Award winner, an MVP, could have been a five-time Cy Young Award winner, right? For someone like that to hang him up after the worst start in his career, I think that's something that he just does not want to do. His last memory on a pitching mound is going a third of an inning there, giving up six runs. I just can't picture that. I feel like he, at the very least, needs to come back and pitch one inning, right? Get that ovation. Get Smell those flowers. Give him those roses. But uh, let's go down below. Pass on Gray. It's from Hepatitis. See you later. Pass on Gray. Why commit money to a guy already contemplating retirement? Those are the types that fall off once they get paid. Hepatitis. See you later. I think with Sonny Gray, we've done a deep dive on him. 34 years old. You're right about the age. He did come off having a really nice year where his numbers were trending in the right direction. He's someone that has talked about, like you mentioned, wanting to take time off, spend time with his family, and maybe call it a career. But that also tells you that you could probably get him for maybe two, three years, and that's what this organization likes. So if you get Sonny Gray for two, three, four, five years or give him something that two or three, four years, like you got Bassett, the, the contract that Chris Bassett signed, Maybe you look at something like that and it makes a lot of sense. Chris Bass is signed for three years, 63 million. So that's something to consider that, yeah, you want some of these big premium arms. There's no doubt about it. We also have to understand the philosophies of this organization where you don't see them going out there and spending big money on starting pitching. They did offer Garrett Cole eight years around $300 million, right? And that tells you that if the right pitcher becomes available, that they will go for it. But I think it just is case by case. Each of these guys presents their own pros and cons. But uh, Eric Lopez can't believe Mookie said that SMH. We, yeah, it, I couldn't believe it either. I was pretty shocked that he went that bold with that. Dodgers will sign a Japanese pitcher in 2024. That's from Scott Strong over on YouTube. That's a pretty semi-bold take. I would love to see that. We need more youth, passion, and athletes from prone to thrill Ivy, why is Arizona's rookie Brandon Fott performing so well? And how come Bobby Miller seemed to fold under the pressure? I've been thinking about this. I know it's off topic. Yeah, look, this is your show. I'm just hosting it. When you bring up good questions, I definitely will answer them. And I'd be lying to you if I felt I had a perfect answer. Because the reality is that in the postseason, I think we have to surrender to some of the intangibles that pitchers deal with. Bobby Miller, he wasn't landing his breaking ball at all whatsoever. He wasn't hitting his spots. They were hitting him hard, right? And unfortunately, he just wasn't able to make it through that start, and he just really struggled. So some guys can handle it. Some guys can't. I do think going back, and you look at the start yet, he goes, an inning and two-thirds there in game two, allowed three runs, had two walks. He ended up throwing 52 pitches, 
And just the command was off. The stuff wasn't electric. You weren't seeing the Bobby Miller that we saw in his first appearance against the Braves. I think they had a really good approach towards him. You got to give that Arizona Diamondbacks team a lot of credit. I think just he walks the first batter there in Carroll. And then Marte, when he had that bunt, I think that threw him off a little bit. And we've seen that with Bobby Miller that he'll get unraveled at times when it's a hit batter or a bunt or something like that that will put runners on base. They'll force him to just think a little more than just a batter at the plate. And then fam single, right? I mean, they're aggressive against him and he gave that, that single to fam hundred mile per hour fastball. It's a little too up, a little too out over the plate. And then Pham stole second. Then the Guriel single a few batters later, that was a four-seam fastball right in the heart of the plate. So when you're stressing, when you're trying to make pitches and execute pitches and you're not letting it come naturally, that's when you get into trouble. That's when you squeeze the ball too tight. And we've seen that with Bobby Miller. I always say it's the Greg Maddox method. Win. What's important now? Each and every pitch, each and every batter. And you can start to feel it when things are snowballing with Bobby Miller. Now, why didn't he pitch better than Fott? Hey, Fott, he had nothing to lose, right? We're talking about Bobby Miller as the savior for this team. We're talking about Bobby Miller as, is he going to be this year's Fernando Valenzuela from 1981? Is he going to be Oral Hershiser? Is he going to be 2018 Walker Bueller? There was an immense amount of pressure on Bobby Miller because of the year that he had. We moved the goalpost on Bobby Miller. We would have been happy with just 30, 40 innings from him at the beginning of the season and just some solid starts and some steps in the right direction. But then the conversation became, no, Bobby Miller is the ace. He should be starting game one. And you guys know I was a strong advocate for him starting game one. And the primary reason, because I, the reason primary reason why I wanted him to be the Dodgers game one starter was because I wanted him to have a clean slate. I didn't want the Dodgers to lose in game one like they did and have all the pressure beyond Bobby Miller in game two. I think that it's an entirely different series if Bobby Miller is pitching game one without having to save the series and salvage the split. I think having a relaxed pitcher as much as possible when the stakes are going to be raised and he's going to be feeling the pressure no matter what, but what you did by going Kirsch in game one and Bobby Miller in game two was the pressure became that much more. You absolutely took it to a whole nother level by putting him in a situation where the Dodgers are not doing much offensively, so he's not feeling like he's going to get a lot of run support, and he's going to have to save this team. So, yeah, that's the really the million-dollar question. But at the very least, experience is a currency that you just can't buy. And he went out there, he got some valuable experience, and hopefully he can build on that. But trade for Cease and wait for Roki Sasaki. Javier, yeah, go back and watch my conversation with Jose Moto. We did a little deep dive on Sasaki, but it's just going to be a long time before he becomes available. So, they need to win now. You need to take advantage of this group. So I would love Sasaki. Hope it'll be in the mix for him when he becomes available years down the line. But I feel like focus on next year. Forget this whole sustainable winning for next year. If you told me that the Dodgers could win the World Series next year and they would miss the playoffs for like four straight seasons, I honestly would take that. I know it sounds insane, but I honestly would take that because nobody remembers the regular season, right? It's just, the, do they sell DVDs and make videos of their regular season? When's the last time you're going to pop in that regular season DVD? When's the last time you're going to wear that NL West championship t-shirt, that NL West championship hat? When's the next time you're going to wear that, right? 
When's the next time you're even going to do that for a NLCS? You only remember the championships. And in baseball, it's very difficult to win championships. It's the hardest of any major sport. That's why you haven't seen a repeat champion since 2000. So I absolutely would go that route. Let Kirsch get to 3,000 Ks and retire us from Jose over on YouTube. Yeah, he's 56 shy. Time to move on from Kershaw, Sam Vasquez. Yeah, we'll talk about Kirsch more in depth in another episode. We've talked about him quite a bit on this show. Reality is that if he's back on a $20 million deal, he's still someone that can help this team in a more reduced role. I'm hoping if you sign other guys, if you think you're not going to go out there and get another starters and curse is going to be your frontline guy, then we got a problem. But this franchise has the money to pay curse on a one-year deal to where he can't hurt you to get other free agents, to make other trades. And the hope is that you don't see him as your game one or two, maybe even game three starter. And hopefully he is pitched under a hundred innings and you would trust him more in the postseason because he's healthier. So look, like I said, the reality is when he was healthy last year, he was really good. Last year when he was healthy, he was a top 15 pitcher. Who would not want a top 15 pitcher? So that's just kind of how you have to lay that out. But Next thing I want to talk about, though, is real quick, Tommy Pham. We're going to talk about Tommy Pham, and we're also going to talk about the scariest things that could happen to the Dodgers this offseason. Tommy Pham was reported by the LA Times that he wanted to be a Dodger. So he wanted to be a Dodger, and now Tommy Pham is not only producing for the Dimebacks, had a bad NLCS, there's no doubt about that. They also had a four-hit game, a four-hit game in the World Series. So he's someone that has gotten it done on the biggest stage. And what has been the issue with Tommy Pham? What has been the issue? Well, everyone says he's a bad clubhouse guy, right? Well, what did he do? What did he do for Jace Peterson? He was going to go out there for his fifth opportunity to get five hits. But what did he do? He went to Tori Lavillo and he said that he wanted to get Jace Peterson a World Series at bat. I mean, that to me is a moment right there. That to me is something where you got to give him a ton of credit. Going to your manager and trying to get your teammate to get that World Series experience on a big stage like that. I mean, Tori Lavella, Jace Peterson said he did an awesome thing that a friend would do. I really can't say enough about it. I wasn't expecting it, but at the same time, not surprised. He's that kind of guy. And then Tommy Pham on Instagram, he commented, I asked Tori, can Jay's hit for me? I wanted my dog to get his first World Series at bat. Stop this narrative, please. Guys can change. Guys can change. Teammates can change. And if that was the issue, Tommy Pham, a guy that is a certified dog when it matters most, that's why you didn't sign him because of some type of clubhouse issue. You guys know, I literally looked inside this camera and said, please Dodger sign for Tommy fan because we needed more pop in the outfield. What the Dodgers do. They went and played a guy that was playing with an injury, a flexor tendon injury in David Peralta that didn't hit one home run after the all-star break. So it just shows you, I mean, this Dodgers team, even the off season, I mean, Tommy Pham signed a $6 million deal in late January. The Dodgers, they signed David Peralta to a one-year, $6.5 million contract two weeks later. So it goes beyond that. You could have had him in the offseason, and that Pham was available. This is from the LA Times. 
saying knowing fam was available. Dodgers teammates, Mookie Betts and JD Martinez vouched for him. According to fam, a person with knowledge of the Dodgers thinking, but not authorized to speak publicly confirmed. Martinez said good things about him and fam was among the targets they considered, but the Dodgers never pulled the trigger two occasions. They could have gone fam and they didn't. So this to me, speaks to a bigger problem with this Dodgers organization is that they're not casting a wide enough net for the players they're trying to attract too many choir boys, too many guys that fall in line, not enough guys that are going to take the bat and beat up the cooler. Not enough guys are going to flip over that table when you need it. Tommy fam is one of those guys. I don't want to see the Mr. Nice guy Dodgers anymore. What do you say about nice guys? They finished last Dodgers finished first. In the regular season, but they finished last in the postseason. We saw this year. They weren't able to get one win. They got swept. So I'm hoping that this version of Mookie Betts, this kind of circles back to what we talked about earlier in Mookie coming out and defending Trevor Bauer and saying the team should sign him. Maybe one of the big changes this offseason is Mookie being a little more vocal with the organization and trying to get them to attract players and acquire guys that aren't these choir boy types that aren't these players that have these squeaky clean images and this sort of thing, right? Guys that have an edge, some of the bad cop types. So I think that's a change I want to see within this organization, because look, if you are so hell bent on bringing in guys that you think are going to be easy to police or aren't going to make headlines and ruffle any feathers. Well, Hey, you're missing out on a whole crop of players that can help this team. Like I said, a few weeks ago, if there was a major league style movie, right. With Pedro Serrano and all the greats of that movie, right. Major league. Would you want to watch it? If it was the Dodgers, would people be running out to theaters to watch that movie? No, but they would have wanted to watch the one with Yasiel Puig could call it major Puig. Right. I mean, the character of this team, you want to see some guys that have an edge. And I think that Tommy Pham is someone that could have helped this team. And I think that they're going to learn to regret it, but a couple more here down below. We're going to keep diving into some of these comments and a very interesting next segment. The scariest things I hear on Dodger wing, the scariest things that could happen for the Dodgers this off season, but uh, Robert's babies, his players for Matt will Smith start taking Japanese language courses from Craig Osterberg. Sounds like it could be a meme there. Uh, in postseason, at least Sam Vasquez, if Peralta was heard and because of that was awful the last few months, why did he start over Kike? Sam, amen. We're in a mind melt. I said that a few episodes ago. Same for Chris Taylor. I mean, he did have a double in the second game. The Dodgers had four extra base hits the entire series. So did they lose because David Peralta was bad? No, but still did not help. That's for sure. And the fact that he was playing with that injury I think it was pretty inexcusable, but uh, Justin Lama says how funny narratives change. Lavella was bad in 2021 when his team was 52 and 110 and everybody was clowning him and wanting him gone. Look, I love Taylor Lavelle. He's a UCLA hall of famer class of 1999. He's someone that loves Mookie Betts, loves his players, and he's been pushing all the right buttons. And the point that I'm going to take from that is guess what? No one's going to talk about that 52 win season. We're going to talk about a potential world series. Yes. Their backs are against the wall, trailing to the Rangers right now, but still they've impressed this season. 84 win team going all the way to the fall classic. You got to tip your hat and give them a lot of credit, but the rings above all from Eddie over there at a boy, Tommy fan from Yuki. Yeah. Look, Tommy fam. I mean, look, this is someone 
And I know that people don't like him because of the whole Jock Peterson thing, because the whole fantasy football thing, and he slapped him in this and that. And yeah, there's something to that for sure. And at the time he was bad at the time he was struggling. I mean, at the time, Tommy Pham had a 200 batting average when he slapped Jock Peterson. I was surprised he made contact with anything on that swing based on that batting average at the time. But still, even if there was a family feud with Tommy Pham and a former Dodgers player, I think I just want to separate the feelings and emotions from player acquisitions and then just go with guys that I think are going to help me win ball games. Cause at the end of the day, that's the reason why we're here, right? That's the whole freaking point is to win games. Fam was a total whiff by the Dodgers. We got hepatitis. See you later. It's not too late. Sign him on a two year deal. After you get Otani hepatitis. See you later. Yeah. It'll be very interesting. I mean, he's a little older for sure. Probably going to put himself in a position to get a multi-year deal. By the way, I like that video, Tommy fam, where he's saying he bet on himself and he wanted to thank himself playing catch to himself, hitting the ball off a wall. Nando three, Nandy three, Nando three ninety fam about to play for the second place D backs. We got a uh, need hologram. I like this take from on the road with Gator and buddy need hologram was sorry to fire them up. Come playoffs. Doc can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Get the, hologram Tommy Lasorda fire up the troops. Look there. This is the thing, man. You talk to some of these guys. I mean, does it really make a big difference as far as how much they, if you are a baseball player that needs a manager to fire you up, this ain't for you. I got news for you, right? You made it to this stage where you're in the microscopic percentage of players that even get this opportunity, let alone be one of the better players on the Dodgers. I just don't know if that is the biggest issue there. I'm not saying it's not an issue at all. I just think that this is baseball. It's not the raw, raw sport. It's not the LFG. Let's go is a concentration cerebral sport. You have to stay even keel. You have to be more of a Phil Jackson at the plate, right? I don't see people saying that Phil Jackson had to raw, raw the troops and this and that thing about Phil Jackson. He was great at getting his players to peak at the right times and pressing the buttons of each individual player. So won't get into deep into the weeds on a managerial talk right now, but I just think that at the end of the day, the roster matters more than anything else. Okay, so we're going to jump into our final topic here. This is a fun one. Actually, a couple more. I got my, we'll actually run this one real quick. I have the five scariest things, the five scariest things that the Do- that could happen to the Dodgers this offseason. I asked you guys this over on Twitter, and here were some of your takes. Man tweeted Otani and Bellinger to the Giants. That's nightmare fuel Kershaw to the Rangers. That one for me would be big. I can't see Kershaw finishing another team's uniform. I know some people out there will be fine with this, but I agree with that one. Snell back to the Padres Bueller in May setback. Yeah. Any Bueller setback would be catastrophic Miller and Pepio TJ. I can't believe I read that one. Okay. I don't say TJ. It's like Voldemort and Harry Potter. I don't say that. McCourt raises parking prices. That'd be scary. Joe Davis leaves for full-time gig at Fox. Interesting. Angels Inc. ballpark deal at LA Live downtown. So those are all scary. Then Sal Bad 77 says, don't sign Otani. Don't add at least one established starter. Don't add a heart player. I love this one. I agree with all these takes. Make this one into a t-shirt because I like the last one. Don't add a heart player. I think you got to sign a guy that you think can be a lightning rod to this clubhouse. And 
I don't know if it's a Tommy fam or someone else they have identified, but I love that take. And yeah, the reality is you have to bring in one established starter. Otani, uh, that to me, it's not just not signing Otani, but where does Otani land? If you don't sign Otani and he goes to that pumpkin colored team in the San Francisco Giants, that would be terrifying. That would be heartbreaking. We'd have to see Otani every single year. We'd have to see the momentum and energy of that franchise. Because I got news for you. Any team that signs Otani in the offseason is going to be considered the winner of the offseason. But the next one we got, Just Living Life Behold tweeted, they don't fire Roberts. Well, this is going to be a very scary move for you because I got news for you. They are not going to fire Dave Roberts. He's going to be the manager next season. Then we got 619 Dutchman tweeted, Friedman gets fired and Preller becomes GM. Wow, that would be a scary one. You would see the farm system get decimated right away. You'd probably see some superstar names, but names don't fit in to a franchise. And somehow, some way, AJ Preller, he goes order 66 on his whole franchise and does a lot of very daring moves at ones that haven't turned into a World Series title. But I like that one. This next one comes from Mike at Jersey Shore who tweeted investing 200 million in Blake Snell trading Sheehan for a one year of Corbin Burns. See, I love me some Emmett Sheehan, but if you can get a one year of Corbin Burns, that's when I pull the trigger on, because if you pull the plug on, if you pull the trigger on a Corbin Burns deal and you trade for him, that tells me you've already tried to solidify this rotation in other ways. So I'm not totally against that one. Lance Lynn being brought back. That is something that feels like it's more possible than a lot of Dodger fans believe. We talked about it on my interview with JP Hornstra. It's the first person I've seen kind of float the idea of that making sense. Look, the reality is at 18 million, Lance Lindergaard, was he going to get up to serve a hunt? 44 home runs again? Probably unlikely. I don't want to go that route. I don't care that he can go 150 plus innings. I understand because, look, they're 150 plus innings, but still, when you look at an ERA like that, you need some more consistency from starting pitching. He's only getting older. I wouldn't do it. Dave Roberts managing in October of 2024. That's from Mike. So those are all pretty scary. I think Dave Roberts, a little overblown, but I'm still okay with you guys tweeting about that. The Sheehan one, I disagree with. I would trade Emmett Sheehan for Corbin Burns. I love Emmett Sheehan. Dave Roberts said he has the most explosive four-seam fastball. Tons of talent, but you can't keep every single one of these prospects. Like I said, make a t-shirt out of it parades over prospects investing 200 million on Blake Snell. Amen on that one. I agree hundred percent. I don't want to see Blake Snell for that price. So those were your scariest things. Oh, we got one more from Cesar Martinez who says thinking Lux is the stud in fixtures at second base. I disagree with that one. I'm someone who is extremely high on Gavin Lux. I think there's still a universe where Gavin Lux becomes a multi-time all-star infielder who hits close to 300, who possibly is the Dodgers long-term solution at shortstop. Your second one is saying thinking Miller may Bueller are the one, two, three punch. I can get behind that one. I can absolutely get behind that one because I could totally see this Dodgers organization thinking, Oh, Bobby Miller is going to merge into this frontline ace. There's no doubt about it. Dustin May is going to come back healthy. Walker Bueller is going to come back healthy. We've seen how that movie ends. One of my goals for this organization, be more realistic then idealistic. So I agree with that one. And then you said third one thinking Max Muncy playing third base and Will Smith are three, four in the lineup. LOL. That's going to be one that you're going to probably want to address as well, but it's fair. I mean, Max Muncy playing at third base definitely gives a lot of you guys 
a ton of nightmares out there. So those are the scariest things that could happen this offseason. For me, it's the scariest thing that could happen is they don't address the starting rotation with two external options, right? That's the number one thing. If you don't fix the pitching externally, this is going to be a long year next year. And even if it's not, and they give you the the regular season where you're winning 100 games and it looks like this is the year, this and that, it's not. You got to go elsewhere and you got to pay up big, right? You got to pay up big. You can't go out there and cheapskate on the starting pitching. I want to see it. This is Halloween. I want to see the Dodgers be that house that gives away the full candy bars, right? The full-blown, full-size candy bars. Give those to the starting pitchers. Don't be that team that gives away toothbrushes and gives away a bowl of pennies and things like that, okay? Don't cheap out this offseason, Dodgers. That, to me, is the scariest thing, is that the Dodgers go cheap, and they go for sustainable winning, and they keep all these prospects, and they don't go all in and push those chips in the middle of the table. That would be the scariest thing. The scariest thing for me is if I don't see Shohei Otani in Dodger blue, and I see him in the Giants organization, seeing him in San Francisco. We need Shohei Otani in LA, not San Francisco. But real quick here, we're going to run down the best and worst. Let's do the worst Halloween candy. Let me ask you guys down below in the comment section. What to you in your opinion, are the worst Halloween candies of all time. Joe Mama says, what up, DMAC? What up, Joe Mama? Dodgers are Disney from prone to thrill. Bochi does pretty good, absolutely. But hey, to that point, Bochi is not a rah-rah manager, right? And Bochi, yeah, been fantastic. I love when he pulled Max Scherzer when he did in the ALCS, right? He's made some great moves, no doubt about that. Did he have an eye condition? He did five NLCS, three World Series, one World Series win. Go be a Cubs fans and see how that works for you. That's from 275 Vet. I love that take right there. We are absolutely spoiled and jaded. There's no doubt about that for sure. Let's do a couple more. DMAC, I agree about manager discussion, but Dave could show more emotions at times. Get tossed out a game a few times a year. Look, he's got to evolve for sure. I agree with you. We'll do some more Dave talk tomorrow if you guys want to get into it. And we'll talk about some other options if they were to go a different direction at some point. Nando 390, what else is Mookie picking up in October? He's only been good at sucking in October base. Okay, probably shouldn't have read that one. Corbin Burns sucks against the D-backs. Nando 390, yeah, for sure. He had an off start, no doubt about it. But you love the fact that he's going to be on a one-year expiring deal, right? So you're not committed to him. One for 21 against our top two in 2024 playoffs. Yeah, that's the scariest thing for sure. But yeah, worst Halloween candies. I'm going... Well, we did pennies, so pennies, toothbrush. You guys ever had those those Nico wafers? You guys ever had those Nico wafers? Those are straight trash. My grandma likes those. Not good. Good and plenty. I hate good and plenty. Bro, I used to think those were medicine. Like, that looks like medicine. Medicine at home, man. Sweetest fish. So payday's the worst? So we got a hot take from Noel saying paydays are the worst. I disagree. I think paydays are low key fire because I like peanuts. I like the caramel. Actually, what what you got? Yeah, we got a worse one, Jordan. Tootsie, I feel like Tootsie rolls. Like ten years ago, I thought they were kind of fire. To me, they're t- they're a tough chew, right? They're a little hard on the teeth. I'm I'm not agreeing with that one. I think the Swedish fish are just weird. I mean, if you go to Sweden, are the fish really like that? Like in the water? I have no idea. But to me, candy corn are straight up trash. To me, they're boogers in the form of rotten teeth, like. I hate candy corn. Hot tamales is my second worst. I hate hot tamales. You guys ever try hot tamales? Straight up trash. To me, they're like a fireball on a Xanax tab. Like, I don't know what's up with 
hot tamales, but I hate hot tamales, bro. Like I, I cannot tell you how much I hate them. But number one, I hate the circus peanuts. What are those, bro? The circus peanuts. I am not. I know some people like that. I'm not in with the circus peanuts, but we got Cole says circus peanuts are the worst, worst candy. Uh, Jordan, someone agrees with you saying that uh, the worst candy is the Tootsie Roll. Craig Osterberg's is black licorice. Black licorice, honestly, hot take, not the worst. Hot take, not the worst. I mean, my wife is the worst Halloween candy. That's what Nando 390 said. His wife is the worst Halloween candy. Okay. Or Nando says, uh, Boomer Assassin. Dots and popcorn balls. That's from Cody Rivera. I'm telling you, the worst is the pennies, bro. You show up and they have a bowl of pennies, right? You know how much pennies you have to get just to get one candy bar. You have to take the whole bowl. I think that's disrespectful. Also, don't give me a toothbrush. I've been to a place one time when I went, when I went um, uh, Christmas, uh, well, Halloween trick-or-treating in the in Orange County. Don't ask me why I was there one day. I was at my uh, relative's house, and they give out toothbrushes. I was like, what is this? Candy corn is crap. Raisins, candy corn. Smarties are bad. IV, Smarties are the best. Smarties are on my top. Like I was telling Jordan, in middle school, we used to chop up the Smarties and snort them. In middle school, no, I'm just kidding. But I think Smarties are low-key fire. Uh, the, give me your best, though. Babe Ruth is okay. Payday is better. We got Abba Zabba for Craig Osterberg. Rock Candy, also Twix. You guys ever hear the theory about the left Twix is the better version? Yeah, it's supposed to be crispier and have more caramel. I don't know why that is. I love Sour Punch, Straws, Tootsie Rolls are bad. Bud Light (laughs) on the the road says Bud Light. Gabby says California Rolls. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Those caramel apple lollipops suck. I actually kind of like those Nando. I'm not going to lie. Okay, so that's pretty much going to do it for the best. The M&Ms. I like Blow Pops because you get the little gum at the end. Reese's. Butterfinger kind of changed their recipe, but this person says, I want to read this one. Mark says, I'm Filipino and I hate white rabbit candies. If you heard about them, let me know. I don't know about that. I got to find out about those Filipino ones. We got the, I don't feel in the Philippines. They're already celebrating Christmas. I know you guys blow past Halloween. You guys are already doing Christmas stuff, but I like the middle Twix from DMAC Jr. By the way, DMAC Jr. We're going to have fun tonight. I'm going to take him uh, DMAC Jr. We're going to Trick or treat. I'll be like Freddie Freeman. He'd be like Freddie's son, Charlie or something. Best is snicker Mexican candy all the way. Mexican candy. Which guys doesn't like blow pops. I love blow pops. My wife says she hates blow pops. <laughs> okay. Off the rails guys. So have a happy Halloween. Thanks for joining us here for du- Dodgers dugout live here in the morning. By the way, we're going to be back right with you Monday through Friday, every single morning, talking all things, Dodger baseball, all off season long here. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and definitely smash that like button for your Los Angeles Dodgers. The more times you smash that like button, the higher the chances become that we sign Shohei Otani. We do a bunch of Shohei Otani's here on this show, but that's going to do it. Someone said fat joint. Okay. We got to log off this quick here. My grandma watches this show, but thanks again, guys. My name is Doug McCain. My friends call me DMAC. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. Until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. In a roaring stadium. 
Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.